This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Amen. God is certainly worthy of our praise. Welcome to those who came in after the welcome as we seek to worship a God who is worthy of all our worship. Let me affirm and declare that all the other gods of the nations are idols, but our God made the heavens and the earth. Amen. Our God does not demand worship, but He deserves worship. Because God has been faithful, even when we have not been faithful, God has been faithful. Amen? This being our, the first Sabbath of, of the month, this is our Connection Sabbath, and we've been encouraging, we've been seeking to encourage you to get involved in life groups as we seek to journey together. I have, we have today um, Doug and Taza Hart. I'm going to ask them to join me here and uh, share their experience or experiences uh, with us as we try to encourage folks to get involved in life groups. Uh, welcome, guys, and thank you so much for your willingness uh, to share. This is Doug and this is Tasia. <laughs> uh, how long have you guys been a part of the Plantation Church? How long have you been part of the family here? Um, recently for about the past three Four years. Three, four years. Yeah. Okay, great, great, great. And I now, uh, I've heard that you, you I, I now know that you guys have been involved uh, in, in life groups. Can you just share uh, your experiences in life groups and, and can you say how life groups have helped your walk with God? Yeah, for, for me spiritually, um, for me, I, I have a um, kind of like a tendency to keep the, like internalized things and through like the friendships and, you know, the brotherhood that I've had through the um, life group, it's, it's allowed me to, you know, um, provide, you know, get feedback from okay. um, the life group and, and just to know that, you know, you're not the only one experiencing certain things and, awesome. you know, fellowshipping, you know, back and forth. So. And how about you, Tasia? Um, for me, um, being a part of the life group, it has given me the opportunity to grow okay. in faith and um, learn the deeper, I would say a deeper uh, connection with God's mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And um, it has helped us, I think, to be more open. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it has been a great process. So it sounds like something you would recommend? Yes, yes. definitely. All right, all right, yes. thank you so much, thank you so much. Uh, folks, we're hoping that uh, you, you be part of the various life groups. We appreciate that God has asked us uh, to be in community. It is our desire to, to appreciate and to experience the reality of us being better together. Amen? Better together in loving God, in loving each other, in extending the kingdom of God. And so every first Sabbath of the month. We seek to have our Connection Sabbath. You can be part of the Verity Life groups. You can talk with me or any of the elders or any of the ushers up, out front can help direct you 
as to where, where you can find true, find authentic community as we worship God together. It is our desire that, that the, it will not just be a first Sabbath uh, happening, but that every time we get together will be a time of genuine connection. Amen? A time of genuine connection. You know, this week an article from the Associated Press caught my attention. It was entitled, Loneliness Poses Risk as Deadly as Smoking, Surgeon General Says. Loneliness poses risk as deadly as smoking, Surgeon General says. Let me share with you just a few excerpts from the article. It says, widespread loneliness in the U.S. poses health risk as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes daily, costing us billions of dollars annually. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy says, we now know that loneliness is a common feeling that many people experience. It is like hunger or thirst. It's a feeling the body sends us when something we need for survival is missing. The article continues, research shows that Americans who have become less engaged with worship houses, community organizations, and even their own family members in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. The number of single households has also doubled over the last 60 years. Finally, loneliness increases the risk of premature death by 30%. With a report revealing that those with poor social relationships also had a greater risk of stroke and heart disease. Isolation also elevates a person's likelihood for experiencing depression, anxiety, and dementia. Neighbor, God made us to live in community. Come on, say amen. God created us to live or to do life together. Can someone just say that it's not good for man or woman to be alone? As we continue in worship, we do so with a study of God's Word and will be guided by the caption, Love One Another. Love One Another. We turn our attention to our focus text, John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Reading from the New King James Version's rendition of Scripture, the Bible says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for your presence in the service thus far. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will arrest our attention, remove every distraction, and use this feeble mortal clay to share words of truth, words of hope we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, neighbor, before we get into this text, let me declare from the onset that according to Jesus, and according to Jesus in this verse, and for those of you who have the red letter edition of Scripture, you will note that these verses are in red. That according to Jesus, one of the clearest signs of discipleship is the love that is shared among believers. One of the clearest signs of discipleship is the love that is shared among believers. Note that in these verses, neighbor, Jesus presents loving one another as a divine imperative rather than a human option. For Jesus, loving one another as disciples, as believers, is a divine imperative and not a human option. As we pull back the lens and zoom out a bit and look at the wider chapter, chapter 13 of John, we'll get to see that Jesus is just hours away from those fateful moments of Calvary. One could argue that he had begun his farewell speech, his farewell sermon to his disciples. John, in this chapter, describes the scene of what we now refer to as the Last Supper. He says in the first verse of the chapter, in John 13, verse 1, John says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John then describes how our Lord proceeds in one of the greatest acts of humility, given the culture at the time, to wash the disciples' feet. And what's even more amazing to me about this is that Jesus even washed the feet of Judas Iscariot knowing full well that Judas had begun the transaction for his betrayal, knowing full, well that Jesus, knowing full well that Judas had decided in his mind that he would sell Jesus out. Yet our Lord washed his feet. And Jesus does, does so, neighbor, amidst the protestation of one Simon Peter. As Jesus began this act, Simon says, Lord, no, you can't do this. This is for, 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 for a servant. This is for a slave to do, not you. You are our master. 
Jesus said to him, hey, Simon, if I do not do this, then you have no part with me. Realizing how important this was, Simon said, Lord, please not only wash my feet, but wash my entire body from head to toe. Now, neighbor, this was not only an act of humility, but it was also an act of love. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it was not only an act of humility, but it was also an act of love. But it served as a prelude not only to the supper, but also as a prelude to his sacrifice. Now, just before we home in on our focus verses, I want us to consider verse 31 to 33 of the chapter. That is John 13, verse 31 through to 33. As I believe these verses will help us to appreciate the mood that was in the room at the time. The Bible says, John writes, so when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Verse 33, little children, I shall be with you a little longer. You shall seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot go, so now I say to you. Now, note that he that is mentioned in verse 1, who had gone out, is referring to Judas, who had left the supper to do his dastardly deed. And you know, neighbor, one of the most interesting comments that I've read by Ellen White in her book, The Desire of Ages, chapter 35 on Judas, is that she says that Jesus loved him and did all that he could to save him. Even though Jesus knew what Judas was about, Jesus still loved him. And that Judas, though, she says in page 716, uh, but Judas, she says, Judas's love of mammon or money overbalanced his love for Jesus. Jesus loved Judas but Judas loved money more than Jesus. Someone said that the love of money is the root of all evil. So after Luke writes, uh, John writes rather, so after Judas left, after he went to close the transaction of betrayal, Jesus says now he and the Father will be glorified in the events that were about to take place. What should be clear, neighbor, in these verses, verse 31 to 33 of John 13, is that Jesus and the Father were working in concert for our salvation. That when it comes to our salvation, it's what God does and what we receive. And that when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to the Godhead, it is all hands on deck. And that their, 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 their act of salvation, Jesus is now establishing, was motivated by love. All times I ask myself the question, the Holy Spirit asks the question of me, 
Why do you do what you do? Why do you serve the way you serve? Why do you help the way people that you help? What motivates you? Because neighbor, if what motivates me is not love, then I am lack. I, I have a serious lacking. What Jesus did was motivated by love. A love that would not let us go. And so he says now in these verses, now fellas, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. I won't be physically with you anymore. And in light of that, you are going to need each other. And so we have our focus verses. He says, now a new commandment. I'm not going to be with you physically very soon, but a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, notice, he says, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's clear here, hashtag love one another, hashtag love is not optional. Here in this verse, Jesus is saying to love one another is not a suggestion. See, neighbor, the context and the grammatical construct of the text denote that it is a divine imperative. That is, to love one another is a divine imperative. As a matter of fact, the word that John uses in the verse is the word agapeo, which literally reads a derivative of agape, which literally means keep on loving. Jesus says, keep on loving each other. What I find interesting is that John uses the word agape and its derivatives some 56 times in his gospel account. And of that number, he uses it 44 times between chapters 13 to 21 of John. It is clear that the word agape and agapeo and its derivative is the key word in this farewell sermon of Jesus to his disciples. He says, you need to keep loving each other. It's one of the clear signs, one of the clearest signs that others will know that you are my disciples. The word new in the commandment does not mean new in time because love has always been at the foundation of God's dealing, dealings with his people even from Old Testament times. But the word new here means, neighbor, new in experience. It means fresh. It means the opposite of being worn out. It's a renewed focus. But now love takes on a new meaning and power because of the death of Jesus on the cross. It takes on a new power with the coming of the Holy Spirit. A love that would have a new power in their lives. And so the command, watch this, was new in that a new demonstration had been given of love, a demonstration which his disciples were now bidden to copy, to emulate, a demonstration that clearly revealed the character of God 
as John would, would later write in his epistle, not that God just loves, but that God is love. You see, this new command would enjoin the disciples not only to Jesus, but to each other forever. And so I want you to know that in this chapter, John begins with love and ends with love. He begins by showing and demonstrating the love of Jesus for his own. And, 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 and he ends with Jesus giving the commandment that the disciples were to love one another. It is love, neighbor. It is love that is the truest evidence that we belong to Jesus and that we are disciples of his. Remember some years ago I was doing a series entitled The Radical Love of Jesus. And a fellow met me in the parking lot one evening after the series and said, well, quite frankly, Pastor Rose, I'm tired of all this love talk. When are we going to get some hardcore doctrine? And I said to him, are you kidding me? There's nothing more hardcore than loving someone unconditionally. There is nothing more challenging than loving someone unconditionally. It's easy for me uh, to, to, to explain the prophecies than to love someone who hates my guts. It is easy for me to preach a sermon on Daniel and Revelation than, than, than to love someone who has given me a hard time. It was the early church father, Tertullian, who quoted the pagans as saying of the Christians, see how they love one another. Listen, neighbor, one of the clearest evidences of God working among his people one of the clearest evidences that we are, we are disciples of Jesus is when there is love that is shared among us. And the way that Jesus demonstrated this, he demonstrated this by getting down and, and washing the feet of the disciples and showing to them a love that is, that is other-centeredness. Listen, neighbor, Jesus says that they will know that you are my disciples, not because you have a vegan diet. They will know that you are my disciples, not because you observe the Sabbath from sunset to sunset. Jesus says they'll know that you are my disciple, not because you understand and can explain the prophecies. They will know that you are my disciples, not because you are purveyors of the three angels' messages. And by the way, those messages, they have at their foundation the everlasting gospel. And the everlasting gospel in capsule form is the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In capsule form is that God considers not to, to, to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus would be saved. They will know that you are my disciples Based on the agape, based on the unconditional, no strings attached love that you demonstrate among each other. How 
How do you and I, how do we love like that? How do we love like that? Well, neighbor, in order for you and I to love like that, it calls for a daily surrender to Jesus. A daily surrender. Because of sin, we are bent towards selfishness. Because of sin, we are bent towards self-interest. Because of sin, we, we're always looking out for, for our own advantage, for our own business. And sometimes at the expense of the other. It is only as we surrender our lives daily to Jesus... It is only as we give him of ourselves, give ourselves completely to him, that you and I can love like that. Jesus says it's when that love is being demonstrated among his disciples that people will know that we belong to him. How do we love like that? Well, I'll close with this experience. Years ago, I was pastoring a church, and uh, it, it, it was very, very difficult. I was, trying to, I was trying to turn the church towards other-centeredness, trying to get the church out of itself and its, and, and, and its own interest, and, and trying to connect with community. But they were so bent on keeping their traditions and, 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 and holding on to their traditions at the expense of reaching others for Jesus. And, and so I had a hard time at it. And, and, and there are some instances where I had saints behaving badly. And there was a particular brother who was just the epitome of, of this pushback and, and became such a, a major antagonist towards what I believe God was calling us to do. And it became so stressful for me that I started this hobby of playing with trains. And so I remember that there were times when I would leave board meetings and resort to, I'd go home, Kirk, and I'll resort to playing with my trains as a part of de-stressing. The folks had the pastor playing with trains. And there were times when I pray, Lord, can't you make that fellow sick so he can't come to church? Once, um, one Thursday, as I was doing my sermon prep, as I usually do, the Holy Spirit touched me on the shoulder and said, listen, you've got to love him if you're going to get to the kingdom. I said, me and him? No way. We you know that Sabbath, as I presented a word and I met him at the door, I shook his hand and looked him straight in the eye and said, listen, if I'm going to go to the kingdom, I got to love you. Now, you give me a lot of hell, but I got to love you. Uh, there are times, brother, I must let you know, there are times when I pray that God would take you out. But I've got to love you if I'm going to get to the kingdom. And surprise, surprise, after that encounter, it shifted the relationship between me and him for the better. 
And I remember, Luke, when I was being transferred from that church, he was one of the persons who didn't want me to leave. Because I decided, and I came to accept, that I can't go to the kingdom unless I loved him. Jesus is saying that when it comes to loving one another, it's not optional, it's an imperative. You may not like it, but you've got to love me. <laughs> if you're going to get to the kingdom, if you're going to be there, Jesus says, you've got to love one another. I can tell you that there have been times in my life when it has been very difficult to do that. I will tell you, there's just some folks that, that I've met that only a mother can love. It's only Jesus can make me love like that. And today I want to recommit myself to love like that. To say, Lord, there's some folks, difficult folks, even in the church, it's hard to love them. I can only love them if you love through me. I want God to love through me. How about you? Stand with me to your feet. Stand with me to your feet. And as you're standing, I want you to think about those, some difficult folks in your life. Difficult folks. Perhaps a neighbor, perhaps even a family member, perhaps someone on the job. But God has called us to love one another. And I found that, that, that when you shift the focus on God, I want you to help me to love. You've got to be authentic about it. And this, this of course, this of course, Elder James, is what we're trying to achieve here at Plantation, is to have authentic relationships. Say, God, you know it's hard with some folks. You know it's hard with some folks. You know some folks rub me the wrong way. But I know that with man it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. <laughs> that with God I can love even people who rub me the wrong way. And so in prayer, Father, we ask that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you will imbue that love within us. Oh Lord, we ask for forgiveness for those times when we've been so impatient and those times when it's been hard to love some folks. Take away our stubborn heart. Remove from us our selfish spirit. We yield ourselves to you. For you not only to love us, but to love through us. 
We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, in-house, watching online, or, or who will watch this in the immediate future. That person has not yet known the joy of surrender. But through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you'll continue to speak to their heart. Lead them to repentance. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.